Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a podcast about making work work. You'll learn about leadership, career growth, and how to navigate those weird work challenges. I run a HR consulting business called Boldside, where I help leaders build epic team cultures. If you lead a team or run a business and you think I can help, let's connect on LinkedIn. My name is Shelley Johnson. It's time to get to work. Today on the show, we're talking about top tips to take your career to the next level. This episode, I've roped in my mate, Glenn James. He's going to interview me. So we're kind of doing a bit of a switch up. Shell has prepared six tips to take your career to the next level. Full disclosure, I don't know the six points in advance. I'm literally interviewing her live because I want to process this and talk about it in real time just like you listening. You're going to love it. Let's go. So Shell, what's the first tip for someone to take their career to the next level in 2024? The first tip, Glenn, is you need to define what the next level looks like to you. So we start there. We start by going, what is that next level? Because one of the things I often hear from employees who want to grow is that they define that next level by what they think other people expect from them. So it might be, well, the corporate ladder says that I should move from specialist to team leader to senior manager. So I just follow that pathway. But I had someone message me on LinkedIn the other day saying, I don't think I want to follow the corporate ladder. I want to make some more sideways moves, but how do I do that in my career? And I think this is the really important part, Glennie, like we have to be able to define what does the next level look like to you by your own standards? I know you talk about life on your own terms. And I think this links really well into that of how do you build life on your own terms? How do you define success to you? And I think there's a few things in that. We have to get clear. What's the dream state? And if you are listening, and this is Glenn, the producer trying to make a podcast for everyone. If you are listening and you are in that dream state, I want you to think about um, some red flags that you might see that could start to creep in that could potentially stop that. And that could be getting told that you, you've got to do more stuff now or take on more responsibilities without the remuneration long-term. So I think it is about if you do have a good thing, if you are living the dream, how do we protect that dream? Yeah, I mean, another way of looking at it would be, okay, so define what the dream state is for you. But Ryan Holiday t- talks about this idea and it's a stoic kind of principle of the premonition of evils or the premonition of what happens if the bad thing comes about. So like, if that was to happen, how do you respond to it? Because the cool thing in your career is that you have control, like you're in the driver's seat, you take the reins. So you can actually shape it and go, you know what, if this thing happens where all of a sudden I get made redundant, and that is a really difficult, awful thing to have to go through you can choose in advance to think, okay, well, if that happens, what could I do? I think this is where we get really clever in our career, Glenn, when we start to plan for some of those things that, well, we hope they don't happen, but if they do, it's kind of like insurance. Mm. We have insurance. We hope we don't ever have to use it. But if the worst case scenario happens, I'm actually going to be okay. But that speaks to our 
financial house which does involve our career and about having an emergency fund. Exactly. So if the worst does happen and you need to get out of there, if there's been something horrendous happen at the workplace or it's toxic overnight, you've got three months of income or expenses at least that you can go, I'm out of here. I'm not putting up with that. And so for you, your dream state might be, okay, my dream state is to achieve this thing and also recognise that I need my contingency plans in the background. Mm. And so I want you to have practical takeaways. So write down the things you want more of. What do you want more of in your career? Then write down the things you want less of because there's always things we want less of. Like you might want less less meetings. Mm. You might want less brainstorming sessions that never get used for anything. And once you've defined that, then I want you to really get clear on what are the small changes and actions you can take to implement to get you towards that dream state because you don't have to take huge steps, just start small. And I know you talk about the James Clear stuff all the time, Glennie, like what are the micro changes that are going to get you towards that bigger goal? Don't It doesn't have to be this transformational thing. So that's where I want you to start. Define what the next level looks like to you. Awesome. What's number two? Number two is communicate your goals to your manager. Mm, how do I do that without being scared? Well, I think there's a few ways to do it. The first thing I want you to do is to just remember, this is a mindset thing, your manager is not a mind reader. Mm. They don't know what you want unless you tell them. They're going to make assumptions about what you want, but I want you to communicate it to it. And the way that you do it, Glenn, can you pretend to be my manager? Absolutely. Terrible, terrible thing. You're like, please let that never happen. (laughs) So in the new year, I would see you in one of my one-on-one meetings with you and say, hey, Glenn, I'd love to catch up with you about 2024. I want to know what you want and expect from me. And I'd love to talk to you about what I want to achieve this year. Do you have time to catch up in the next month? So I kick it down the road and then we get to schedule quality time in to have that conversation. Then when I schedule that conversation in, I come prepared with, hey, here's the goals that I have that I'd love to be able to work towards together what goals might you have for me? And this goes into my next point, Glenn, which is number three. Mm. Ask your boss in that conversation for the three areas they feel like you need to grow in this year. Mm. So you're coming with your goals. You're putting that to them. Here's the things I want. And then you're giving them the opportunity to speak in and shape that because what we need to remember in our career, it has to be a win-win. It's not all about you. You're there for a purpose in that job. Like, So we need to make it a win for our employer. So I would be saying, hey, how can I better help the team achieve their goals? What do you think I could do to change, grow, work differently? And then your boss is like, yeah, cool. Let's do this together. Let's have shared goals. I think it's interesting, and this could be a good tell about culture and red flags. Like if you do go to your manager or leader and they're not actually open to hearing your goals, if they're not actually responsive to wanting a win-win relationship. And particularly, I know in the career book, uh, I mentioned that things can't happen overnight. Mm. But if they'll go, yep, yep, absolutely, we'll do this. If it's not done within three to six months, you've got to be out of there if you've actually given them ample time to do what they say they would do. But I just want to run a scenario with you, Shell, that could help some people. I was talking with a friend the other day and she's in a a sales support role, okay? And I think it's about 65 grand a year and it's work from home, pretty good autonomy. Her direct boss or manager 
she gets on well with. Her direct boss or manager doesn't actually set the salaries. Um, the CEO does that. It's a bit of a startup company. And I was kind of workshopping ideas that if you've got a friendly, which is your manager, who totally gets the value that you add, you need that manager to be on board with you to advocate to the CEO or to the boss that I think this person does deserve a pay rise. So the way I kind of positioned it to my friend, and this is where I want your advice, Shell, can you organize a coffee with that manager face-to-face? And if you are friendly with them, be like, hey, can I talk freely for a moment? Mm. So we're removing that work mode because in my business, I don't do deals with brands or products. I do deals with people. So you've got to always be talking to the person. And I love that framing of, can I talk freely for a moment? It kind of just gives that person the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's permission. It gives you, that person's like, absolutely. And they're already warming up to whatever it is you're going to say next because they're like, oh yeah, you're cool. You didn't just like blindside me with this request. You're actually asking for, hey, I'd love to talk honestly with you about this thing. Is that okay? So anyway, so I said to her, and this is, it's a company in Perth and, you know, Perth's a pretty good economy and and all that. And I think they've got a national presence. And I said, ask the manager who you're friendly with, go for a coffee if you can talk freely. And then say, hey, when I joined here, I we all know that I took the base kind of salary. I wanted to get in and prove myself. I need to now, and because this, this is the whole dance, right? My friend wants a higher income because they deserve it, I think. They work hard and the market actually would pay them more. But you can't go to the manager or leader and say, I need to upgrade my house. I need more money for higher rent. I want to put the pool in. I want to put the pool in. (laughs) So I said, I think I want you to position it. This new year, I really want to focus on what my career looks like and focus on being the best person I can be to maximize career, my career. And I love this company. I love the culture. I think I'm worth more than what I'm paid. And she's currently on a, a bit of a bonus structure, which I don't love bonuses for non-revenue generating roles because as a sales support staff, technically you're getting dragged along for the ride. Because if your key salespeople aren't selling, like sure you help them, but I'm not a big fan of bonuses for non-rev people. Just pay your team well. And I said as part of the negotiation, maybe you could say, hey, can you pay me a 75 grand package? Forget the bonuses. I just want certainty. I think I'm worth it. So we've got it. I think it is all about getting that manager to be the advocate to the decision makers. What are your thoughts on this whole situation? I think when we're talking to managers about pay, we need to talk about the value we add and the problems we solve. Mm. So I think that's where people miss the mark because they often just look at the market and they go, well, the market's paying 80K for that role and I'm getting paid 65. So there's, there's a gap. And that may be true. And that may be part of the conversation, but it's not the full picture. I want you, like if you think about selling something, if you sell something, you're either selling a problem that needs to be solved or a value that you can add. And I want you to think about, you're asking for a pay rise. You're essentially selling something. You're selling something to your boss. You've got to get that idea across the line. So talk about, hey, in the last year or the past six months, here's the problems that I solved that 
high value add to the business. Here's the time that we've got back because I implemented XYZ process. We saved the business this amount of money by doing this. So I want you to present your case as the value that you bring, like not just here's what the market pays because your organization may have made a decision, a strategic decision to pay as a startup lower than what the market pays. Mm. They're still paying above award, but they're not like top end of the market for salaries. So so they might have a strategic decision. You need to come and show the value. And I think it's hard to do because sometimes we don't want to overreach. Like we feel like, oh, can I say that? Absolutely, you can say that. Talk about the automations that you brought in and all the value you generated. Please share those things because that they need to know all of that stuff that you've done where you've created tangible return for that business. Here's a question. I also said that, and it goes back to doing work above and beyond and not getting remunerated correctly for it. Do you think it's ever a case to say, hey, I know this is, isn't really in my wheelhouse, but I'm doing it anyway. Would you like me to stop doing that and let the other person know that they have to go to a different department? Because you don't want to get painted as the person that just does everything and not get paid for it. So it is that fine line. And I said to my friend, I'm like, I think it is a startup business and I get that. And they know that all the stuff that you are doing, like if you left. They'd have to hire two people. That would be a nightmare. So how do you position this to say, I'm doing all this stuff. If you can't give me a pay rise, it's too overwhelming so would you like me to stop doing this part of the role? I don't know. It's, it's hard. And you don't want it to be a shakedown or an ultimatum. And that's why we're just talking freely with this manager, right? And here's how I'd do it, Glenn. I would sit down and go, hey, when I started, this is the stuff I was doing. Six months on, here's the kind of new baseline of the role. And you can see like I've added four really significant tasks or duties to the list that weren't there when I began. And it's normal that roles evolve, but I'd love to talk to you about maybe changing our, my role title and re-leveling my role because of how it's expanded. And I think that framing is nice because you're saying, hey, there's been a natural evolution of my role because of my strengths and because of me wanting to add value. Would you consider a role change? Because often with a role change, there's a pay change, right? And I think as well, to a point, throwing money at a problem, like if you're overworked and burned out, an extra 20 grand doesn't really fix the problem. It is a more business strategic decision where no, we're actually understaffed and maybe I need a junior under me and maybe I need to pay increase and have that person within the team. But, and I don't know, I just wanted to kind of chat about these scenarios because a lot of us work for small businesses and I think in the language, it can't be a shakedown. It's got to be a discussion. It's got to be that you genuinely like the business, you like the leader, you like the work. I mean, it's what you always say, Glenn, in business. It has to be a win-win. It's got to be a win-win. You've got to find that. And you need to win. Like I think most employers that are good want you to win. Mm. Like they do. And they also need their business to grow and succeed. And so we need to work out how to, and you can even frame that. Going, I really want this to be a win-win. Mm. I, want, I want this business to succeed. I can see myself contributing to that in these ways and I'd love to help the business grow. Now, if you aren't in a small business or a corporate that has latitude, you might be an employee with the government, you might be an educator, you might be a nurse, ambulance, you know, all that stuff. The question isn't, I want a pay rise, I can't get one. 
the question is, what do you want to do with your career? Now, yeah, we what don't, does progression look like yeah. to me? So it's not a job discussion when you're in pay bands. It's a career discussion. We won't get into it in this episode, but I'm just acknowledging that not everyone has the latitude to talk freely with their manager to try and negotiate a win-win. I just want to plant that. So, Shell, can you recap the first three points and then we'll take a quick break? Number one, define what the next level looks like to you. Number two, communicate your goals to your boss. Number three, ask your boss for three areas that they think you need to grow this year. And just rounding out that third point, that could help form the win-win scenario. Exactly. Yeah, awesome. We'll be back right after this. If you want to grow in your career, I just wanted to remind you about our book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Glenn James and I have written this book to help you with any kind of career crisis, but also those things that you want, like getting a promotion, making more money, moving into a leadership role, or if it's time to quit your job. You can find our book wherever you get good books from, or you can listen on the audiobook, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Now let's get back to the show. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Okay, we are back, and we are badder than ever. Shell, fourth point to take your career to the next level in 2024. This is a bit of a like random one compared to what we've just talked about. It's more of a mindset one, but I think we need to confront our limiting beliefs. Mm. And I was talking to someone this morning actually on LinkedIn who was messaging me and talking to me about their self-talk and all the reasons why they couldn't start their business and take their side hustle and make it their main gig. And I just said... I was like, I'm like, Glenn, this is so classic me, like just giving unsolicited advice to anyone who will listen. I was like, can I just give you some unsolicited advice? You need to take the next three weeks and spend time confronting your limiting beliefs. Mm. Because like the stuff that they were saying about themselves, I was like, no one sees you like that. Like mm. everyone looks to this person. They have a huge following. They're very like very successful in their content creation and stuff. But they have all Are you talking about me? <laughs> no, no, that was the un- other unsolicited uh, yes. advice I gave you. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I just was like, why do we allow imposter syndrome and self-doubt to stop us from doing the thing that we have this? I reckon it's kind of like that sense of like, I know people talk about calling or, and things. You know when you've got this gut vibe, Glenn, that you just need to do something? Like it's like... And, Hate me all you, all you want if you don't like intuition, but I kind of, I, sometimes you have this thing where you're like, I have to do that. Then once you kind of get the idea, 
all the barriers start to pop up. Can't do it. Not good enough. Not smart enough. Fear of what other people think. Fear of rejection. Fear of failure. All the fears. And we need to eyeball them. Mm. And I think someone I was talking to someone the other day, they're like, I reckon it's powerful to write it down, to write the fear and then confront it and go, would I say that to anyone else? Mm. So why am I saying it to myself? So your mindset and your limiting beliefs, most of them, I think, don't serve you. Mm. Yeah, I've been challenged lately by someone because I say weird stuff because of maybe <laughs> imposter syndrome or like, there, there's some things in my life that I'm not happy with and I'm like, oh, my life's a train wreck. And someone's like, no, don't say that because our words have power. Yeah. And, you know, it goes back to that um, daily gratitude journaling or next week on the main show on Tuesday, our guest Chelsea Pottinger kind of said, when you wake up in the morning, can you say one good thing about yourself mm. to the mirror? Like, can you do that? And that can be really difficult for people. Like, I think we just need to call that out. Like, and reframing your negative self-talk and addressing your negative self-talk is a very important thing if you want to build a great career and if you want to overcome those fears that are holding you back. I, I think great book by Dr. Amy Silver called The Loudest Guest where she talks about how you deal with fear and your relationship with fear. So if this is something that you feel like you're listening to and you're like, this is me, I need to confront my limiting beliefs and I need to start to shift them to be more positive, then get that book and obviously listen to the podcast coming out next week with Chelsea Pottinger. Mm. Okay, fifth tip. Do a strengths audit. Ugh, sounds annoying. (laughs) Strengths audit. I want you to go back to your strengths and think about in 2024, look at your job. Get your PD, get your position description out. Oh, look out. And print it out. And then I want you to look at that against your strengths. And if you don't know what your strengths are, do the Gallup Strengths Finder survey, or there's a free one, VIA. We'll put it in the show notes. You can do the free or paid strengths assessment. I want you to look at what are my strengths? What are my top five strengths? What am I good at? Then look at your job in relation to that because Daniel Quinn from the podcast community said he has just changed companies to a job that he really loves. And I think when you get a job you love, it's often linked to your strengths. So it's linked to what you're good at. When people are most miserable in their career, it's either a strengths issue or a culture problem. This goes back to that whole do what you like and what you're good at. Don't do what you love and what you suck at. Because <laughs> I I think you use the the example that you love cooking and fine yeah. dining, but you actually suck at cooking. So don't do well, that no, as a I career don't. shell. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I would be a terrible chef. Right. And I would I've got heaps of cookbooks in my house, but does that make me a fine dining chef? No, it does not. Mm. I love it. Love experiencing it. So don't form this illusion and build your life around I'm going to be a fine dining chef. Yeah. So don't, it's like, do like enjoy what you love, but that doesn't mean you should form a career around it. Mm. You're far better to form a career around what you're good at. Mm. And I think a lot of us don't know what we're good at, Glenn. Mm. Like if we think about this mindset stuff we've been talking about, a lot of us focus on the negatives. We don't focus on the things that we do really well. And if you don't know what you're good at, trust me, do this. Dun, dun, dun. Ask the closest people in your life to write down three things. Ask your closest friends, ask your closest work colleagues, and this is going to be confronting. Ask your mum. Someone told me the other day something that I was really good at, which 
I didn't really, like I knew I could do it, but I think it is a skill. So at the end of last year, Shell, we did a live podcast recording uh, in Newcastle and Jack from Bowie Cafe, uh, I went and had breakfast there. I think a couple of days later, he goes, oh, that was really good. I can't believe that you could entertain that live crowd and produce a podcast live as well. And, you know, answer questions, produce the podcast, entertain people in the room. He said, that's such a skill. Yeah. And I'd say it's a strength and it's part of your communication strength. And there's a couple of questions that are in our book, Sort Your Career Out, that you can ask your friends. So here's a couple. What problems do I solve? What value do I add? What do I do differently and better from everyone else? Here's a couple more. Bear with me. This is in the chapter on strengths. When do I get into a state of flow? When do I feel most energized and engaged? What parts of my career have I loved the most? What have been my biggest career wins or work successes? What areas do I consistently receive positive feedback in? Answer some of those questions and put them to friends and family, people who know you best. They'll actually do a better job of answering them than you probably will. And then you should see your strengths themes emerge. Once you know them, then I want you to go back to your job description and look at how much of my time am I actually spending on those things? Because mm. if you're only spending 30% of your work week on the things that you're good at, you might be able to do that for a while. Like you might be able to do that for 12 months, but ultimately you're going to get bored because you're not playing to your strengths. And when people are most engaged at work and they perform to their best level, they're performing in their strengths. And I think I just want to call out that life is a thing called life and it's not always easy and all that and work's a thing called work, like shut up and get to work because we've got to actually do that. And I don't think, you know, I love what I do. I feel like I don't have a job. I think I'm operating in my strengths, but there are still parts of my job that I operate in that I don't love, that it's not my strength, but I try and keep that to maybe only 20%. Yeah, that's right. And and you have to work out where in your career you can right size it. Because in the early part of your career, you might be doing 50% on your strengths, 50% on stuff you don't like. Mm. But as you grow, I want to see you getting that 50% of stuff you don't like down to what you're saying, Glenn, of like 20%. I think Mm. we want to see it shrinking over time. There's always going to be stuff. It's just a part of your job that you don't like that you have to do. That's just normal. Mm. So we need to accept that. But the goal is look at we need to regularly audit and check in and see, is there alignment between my job and my strengths? Mm. What's the sixth point that you've got for our earness? The sixth point, once you know your strengths, the next thing I want you to do is to build a unique mix of skills around those strengths. Now, this, this is going to sound a bit weird, so go with me. In the book, we talk about this idea of how do you build a unique set of skills that are difficult to replicate. So this is how you stand out in the job market. People who stand out often have combined, and this is an idea by Cal Newport, this is not mine, he calls it a combination of rare and valuable skills that gives you a competitive advantage. So look for things. Now, I'll I'll take you, Glennie. You're an example of this. You came from a a financial advisor. Mm. And you took your background in financial advice for years and years, you were working in that space. And you went, you know what? I'm I'm also good at speaking and communicating. And I'm going to start a podcast. And back then, so random, right? It was so new. 
but you had a unique mix of skills that was uncommon in that industry at the time. And so you then formed a business around a unique skills mix of I'm funny, I am good at communicating and I'm switched on when it comes to financial advice. Form those three skills that creates a unique and difficult skills mix to replicate, which makes you stand out in a market that's been typically quite boring. Mm. <laughs> uh, sorry to any, but well, back in the day, right? How long ago was it? Seven plus years. Mm. So how can you do the same thing? An example would be if you're an accountant, how can you get good at design and design management reports that are visually engaging rather than just simply sending a really complicated spreadsheet? Yeah. I want you to find your unique skills mix. You've already got it. It's just amplifying it. So dig into that. Once you've uncovered your strengths, work out what are the three things that I can combine that becomes like my career superpower. Your unique strengths mix is what's going to make you stand out from everyone else. Awesome. Let's do a recap of the six things that you need to do this year to take your career to the next level and make more money. Number one, define what the next level looks like to you. Number two, communicate your goals to your boss. Number three, ask your boss for the three areas they think you need to grow in this year. Number four, confront your limiting beliefs. Number five, do a strengths audit. Number six, build a unique skills mix. Love it. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for having a listen today. And always, if you think this could be of value to someone in your world, why don't you forward them the episode via text message? Why don't you drop it in your group chat? We'd really appreciate getting the word out. We want to add value. We want to have a bit of fun. And we want you to be the best version of you. Shelly Johnson, my co-author of the book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Thanks so much for letting me interview you today. Thanks for hanging out. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Money Professional, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money, My Millennial Daily, and Retire Right. Find these wherever you get your podcasts. 